Well, good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and thank you for our time together. I say this almost every morning. What a privilege it is to be able to sit down with you live every morning and open the scriptures. Wouldn't it be a dream if one day we could all just sit down in a big room every morning together and just read the scriptures? Well, we're kind of doing that now, but thank you. Thank you for opening your heart and allowing Sister Bev and Sean and I to just be a part of your lives. You know, you, you don't have to let us in your life. I mean, this is a great honor that you give us by allowing us to walk this journey with you. So thank you. Well, today we want to go back to Psalms 91, the foundation of faith for this season of darkness that we're walking through. In just about an hour and a half, I'll be starting to preach on that subject. Ah, you'll hear that sermon tomorrow. Father, we come to you today. It's a beautiful day. You've given us strength. You've given us life. You've given us hope. And Father, though we chafe at this crazy lockdown, we would never want to see the deaths that they're seeing in Brazil right now. We would never want to see that, that type of slaughter among our people. Thank you. Every life is precious, but thank you so many. So many have been spared in this time. We come to say thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that this thing would lift off of our nation. This is a plague that sticks, Lord. And I know that as a Christian people, we've been redeemed from it. But Father, we come against he who weakens the nations. That's what Satan does. He never comes to build a nation. He only comes to weaken the nations, as the scripture says. And we come against him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, we stand against that. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Let there just be your hand of grace upon our land. Let that virus just mutate into a harmless form here in our land. That our economy can be rebuilt and that we can have a head start and begin to move forward with our factories and our economies and our jobs. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, I bring to you the frontliners today. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you that your angels watch them in all their ways. Thank you that when they come home, no plague shall come near the dwelling place of their parents and their grandparents. Thank you, Father, that you keep them strong. Thank you, Father, that you restore their souls from all the horrible things that they've seen and all the death that they have witnessed. Restore their souls, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for all of our members as they sit there in their homes this morning. Lord, just let the Holy Ghost quicken bodies. Let healing flow in the name of Jesus. Let the life of God flow into every home today in the name of Jesus. That sickness and disease will be broken off of every life in the name of Jesus. Bless the work of our hands, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms 91. Psalm 91. My refuge and my fortress. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His penis and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that lies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays at morning, 
Atasa may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed before you. No plague come near to your tent, for He will con for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the other young lion, and the serpent you will trample under foot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. <laughs> Mom and Dad, you need to give her a big squeeze. She's adorable. It's so important that our kids hide the Word of God in their hearts. It keeps all the fear of this thing away. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Well, all of this lockdown has um, pretty well put a damper on all of our life events, funerals, weddings, birthdays, anniversaries. Everything has become more simple. So we're coming into Father's Day. And in a lot of families, because we were right smack in the middle of it, not much was done for Mother's Day. So young people, I have an idea for you. Instead of just celebrating Father's Day, why not make this weekend Parents' Day? Because we didn't get to do much for moms right in the middle of the, the heavy lockdown. We could even cook their favorite foods because it was hard to get out and shop. So young people, why not make it Parents' Day and celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day both this weekend? And young people, why don't you cook a spectacular feast for the family and celebrate mom and dad and all of the young people in the family tell mom and dad how much they love them. If you really want to make mom and dad happy, express your love for them. That makes a mom and dad happier than any, any present you could ever give them. All right, we've got a great testimony for you now. Hello, CUP. I'm my man. And I'm Geraldine Sessa from Main Campus and a global leader of District 5. We would like to share about the goodness of God to us. First, we've been paying for a long-term tenant to lease our condo unit since the government did not allow daily or weekly basis of rental. And after two weeks of paying, our condo had been rented for a year by a tenant residing within that building, and he paid in cash. Second, when the government allowed dental clinics to operate, we immediately resumed our clinic oper operation. During quarantine, my husband did modifications in the clinic and built equipment to be used. And last week, I have an ortho patient and to my surprise, she paid 10 times than the usual payment that she gives. And First John 5.14 say, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything to His will, He heard us. Amen! So, Amen. family, we have a God who hears and answers our prayers. God bless! <laughs> oh, mom and dad, enjoy that baby. You know, sometimes I look at our young couples and I think, were Sister Bev and I, did we ever look that young? I'm so proud of you. Enjoy the family and enjoy the blessings of God. Well, we want to pick up today in Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Acts 12, beginning with verse 1. About that time. All right, now what is that time? About the same time as the prophecies are made about the coming famine, about the same time as Barnabas and Saul are getting ready to bring the beautiful offering to help the poor in the church of Jerusalem, about that time. So here God's wanting to show mercy, and we find Herod starting a new persecution. So it's interesting. You, you have to keep up with the, the time stamps, so to speak, that the Bible puts in there, because it does change how you look at scriptures. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Wow. There's different kinds of laying on of hands. There's laying on of hands to impart spiritual gifts and anointing, and then there's violent hands. And notice some who belonged to the church. Have you ever thought about that? You belong to the church? Everybody has a desire to have a sense of belonging, that you're a part of something. You need to meditate on this one for a bit today, because, you know, when Jesus has joined us to a local church, we belong. That, that is where we find our belonging. 
who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, one of the sons of thunder. He, he killed him. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, now notice this guy. I mean, this is the guy that has mocked Jesus. And now he arrests John, and he, or rather James, and he, he kills him with the sword, has him run through with the sword, and he sees that it pleases the Jew. So he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, there is the heart of a politician. If he sees that something pleases people, he wants to do it again. It doesn't matter if it's the right or the wrong thing. It doesn't matter if it's justice or injustice. See, please forgive me, don't get mad at me for this, but a politician rarely cares about right and wrong. A politician cares about what pleases people. Don't, don't look for justice in this world, brothers and sisters, please. There was no justice here. James had done nothing wrong. But because, and Peter had done nothing wrong. But because it pleased the people who hated them. He did the politically expedient thing. He arrested Peter. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So we are at Passover. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Now, why would you need four squads of soldiers to guard one man? Well, he remembered what happened with Jesus. Remember, things don't happen in a vacuum. Four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Ah, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now notice, prayer for him to God by the church. Now there's an incredible sermon right there. You talk about what prayer is all about. We prayed for Peter to God, and the prayer was done by the church. That's a great sermon. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, so all right, Passover's over. On that very night, now, notice, Pastor, why did God wait that long? I don't know. Maybe so that Herod would not have time to respond. See, sometimes we always question, God, why is it taking so long? But maybe God waited until that very night because he knew, listen, I'm in control of this situation. I can do this anytime I want. But God has a strategy. God has wisdom. If he does it earlier, Herod has time to go find him again before Passover ends. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between, excuse me, between two soldiers. Now, he's got four squads, and they even have two soldiers, one sleeping on each side of him. It's called the, the Peter sandwich, okay? Bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. <laughs> now, please. This guy's about as secure as you can get. You've got him in two chains, okay? And you've got him sleeping between two soldiers. And then you've got more sentries at the door. <laughs> and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, now, two things I want you to notice there. He struck Peter on the side. So, Angels can either be spiritual or they can have a physical mass. You need to get a hold of this. Angels can have physical mass. 
he struck him on the side. But also notice, and the light showed in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him. Peter was so sound asleep that the light didn't wake him up. Peter had learned the rest of faith. This is the man that said, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning in the boat in Mark 9, verse 38. Now this is the man who, about to die for his faith, is sound asleep. He has learned the rest of faith. He has grown spiritually. Now, now some of you, you need to just stop and get a hold of this for a minute. Some of you, things used to panic you, things used to cause you great worry and concern. But all during COVID-19, you've been learning the rest of faith. You've been learning that God will provide. You've been learning that God will never leave you, fail you, nor forsake you. And now there's a rest of faith. But for the rest of your life, your heart will beat differently. Your, your heart will feel so differently about situations. You've grown in your faith. He woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains psh, fell off his hands. <laughs> Pastor, did angels have keys? No, but they can just do what they want. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. Now, isn't that interesting? There was no rush. Don't run out of here just in your, your sleepy clothes. Dress yourself and put on your sandals. There was no rush. See, God's in control. There's no rush. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. It's going to be cold outside, so get your cloak and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when he passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them of its own accord. You see, that's what angels can do. Okay, Opened of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. So the angel got him outside and then left. Now Peter has to make some decisions. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Now, isn't that beautiful? He said, You know what? God has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from the expectations of these Jewish people. Now notice, the expectations. Sometimes you not only have to be rescued from a person who's hurting you, but you need to be rescued from the expectations of people who hate you. I'm sure that the Lord is the one. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel, rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all, the Jewish, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Now, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the home of Mary, the mother of Mark, who owned the Garden of Gethsemane. So this, was, this had become a popular place to pray. It was a place where they met together and prayed with Jesus, and now the same again. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many of the others were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant named Rhoda came to answer Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate. Gee, thanks. Yo, Rhoda, can you open the door, please? She got so excited, she just left him at the door. <laughs> but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, so and kept saying, it's his angel. 
But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. He said, make sure the other apostles know this. Then he departed and went to another place. Now, there's wisdom. As soon as Herod knew that he was gone, where would Herod look? The obvious places. What was an obvious place? Mary's house at what we call today the Garden of Gethsemane. So he, he left. Now, you know, it's, it's one thing to be rescued by an angel. It's another thing to have the wisdom to not stay there where everybody would know where you are. He went to another place. They didn't know where he went. Now, let me just throw this at you also. I want you to notice that the angel did not tell him, go, stand, and speak this time. The angel just released him. There is a difference here. Sometimes we want to respond in the same way when situations are similar. I did not say alike, I said similar. Now, when the angels released, when they were released before from, from the prison, God said, go stand and speak. Now this time, Peter goes and hides. Is that a lack of faith? No. In this case, that's prudence. In this case, that's wisdom. Never think that two situations require the same response. What God speaks in one situation, God will not say to another situation. You can't live with the same words from God in every situation. You have to learn. Different situations require different wisdom. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. Some say don't give up and hope that you're good is good enough. Head down, keep on working. You could earn it. You deserve it. Some say push on through. After all, it's the least that you can do. Don't buy what they're selling. Be further from the truth. What is wrong with a one? Press on, get it right, otherwise get left behind. Some say it's keeping score, so try hard and try a little more. Hold up, if this were true, explain to me what the cross is for.
Second Kings chapter 18. Yesterday we saw that Sennacherib was about to attack Judah. We saw that the 10 northern tribes called Israel had been taken into captivity and their land had been given out to other peoples and there were no Jewish people living in the northern 10 tribes area. Now we're in verse 17. And the king of Assyria sent the Tartan and the Rabsaris and the Rabsaka with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they arrived, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the highway to Washer's field. And when they called for the king, there came out to them Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, We trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now, now just stop there. It is amazing how the world does not understand the worship of God. It, it, it just is astounding. You see, these people saw the removal of those high places as a bad thing <laughs> that would have displeased the God of Israel. But in actuality, it was a good thing, and it pleased the God of Israel. So you, you really can't, don't get your theology from the world, because the world just doesn't understand God. Now again, truth you got to get a hold of here. Don't get your theology, don't get your understanding of God from the world, because the world really doesn't understand God. Verse 23, come now, let us make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Wow. Now, they completely don't understand the worship of God, and now they claim that God spoke to them. Amazing. See, folks, the world will lie about spiritual things. The world will lie about spiritual things. You've you got to get a hold of that. The world lied. God didn't speak to this guy. Then Elikam, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Please, speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah, Hebrew, within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. Hey, leave, leave the common common fowl out of this. But Rav Shecha said to them, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you, and not the men sitting on the wall, who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and to drink their own urine? Then Rav Shecha stood and called out in a loud voice, in the language of Judah, in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, 
for he is not able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us and this city. Can you imagine? Don't believe somebody when they tell you to trust in the Lord. Now, now this is how the world talks about God. They don't understand the worship of God. They claim that God told them to do things, and they tell you not to trust God. Now, you talk about confusion. That man is confused. All right, God sent us here, but we're telling you not to trust God. Wow. Whenever people tell you, don't let somebody convince you to trust God, don't listen. And this city will be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine, and each one of you his own fig tree, and each one of you will drink water from his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. Now notice, look at the the promise of prosperity. Look at the promise. The world says, you can keep what you have, but there's a hook. One day I'm going to come, and you're going to be refugees. You're not going to live in your own land. You're not going to have an inheritance for your children's children anymore, but you'll have a good life, and you'll be alive. Folks, whenever the world promises you something, there's always a hook, and that hook always concerns the future. It's taking a good present and trading it for a bad future. You can keep what you have right now. We'll have peace. Everything will be all right for now. Okay, so the present is taken care of. But now in the future, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to a different land. And, you know, it'll be okay there. And you'll have a good life. But here's the hook. It's the future. There'll be no inheritance for your children. You'll be strangers. You'll be foreigners in the land again. Verse 33. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying the Lord will deliver us. Telling people that God, you can trust God is misleading people? Wow. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of the Serviam and the Hina and the Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. Wow. Now, you know what? It's one thing to attack false gods. But now he's attacking the true God. He's saying that God is like all these false gods. But the people were silent and answered him not a word. Now, that's sometimes the best way to deal with these people who talk all spiritual and talk like they're greater than God and tell you not to trust in God. The people were silent and answered him not a word. For the king's command was, do not answer him. Then Elikim and the, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, the son of Shipna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rabshakeh, chapter 19, verse 1. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went to the house of the Lord. Now, that's the best way I know to handle horrible, disappointing news. Go to the house of the Lord. Can I always encourage you to do that? 
if, if you get noticed this week, okay, you've lost your job, don't go home and cry. Come to the house of the Lord. Come have the pastors pray with you. Come spend some time in worship. This is what Fortress 91 is all about. Come have communion. Come the house of the Lord. And he sent Elikim, who was over the household, and Shibna the secretary and the senior priest covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. And they said to them, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is the day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of Rashekeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Hezekiah said, prayerfully, God heard all this mocking. When the servant of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, said to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid of the words because of the words that you have heard. Don't be afraid of words. Which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit. Now, spirit there is a small s. It's not a demon. It's an attitude. Behold, I will put an attitude within him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Now, See, God can put an attitude within somebody. Remember the Bible says God holds the king's hearts in his hand. God can put an attitude in a king that will make him susceptible to listen to things. And that's what he did. And Rabshakeh turned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he'd heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Tekaha, king of Cush. Behold, he is sent out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given to the hands of the king of Assyria. Now listen to this guy. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you. Look at how the world acts, that God would somehow deceive us. See, folks, you got to understand in these seasons of darkness like we're in right now, the spirit of deception is so strong. And it claims somebody else is deceiving you, claims that God is deceiving you. Please never think that God would deceive you. This is Satan, the accuser. Diablo, we'll get into this in our sermon this weekend. This is the accuser. Now he accuses God to his own people. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the gods that my fathers destroyed, Gorzim, Haran, Respa, and the people of Eden, who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arphad, the king of the city of Sepharivim, and the king of Hena, or the king of Eva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Now notice, chapter 19, verse 1, he went up to the house of the Lord when he got bad news. Verse 14, he goes up to the house of the Lord again. The best place I know to deal with bad news is to go up to the house of the Lord. 
Again, if you get bad news, and I feel like I'm speaking to somebody specifically right now this week, if you get bad news, don't run home and cry. Run to God's house. And notice what he did. He laid and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord our God and said, O Lord, the God of Israel. And he spread it out before the Lord, verse 14. I call it yellow pad prayer. You just lay the thing out before the Lord. You just come in prayer and put the document before God. Okay. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they are not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us. Please from this hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Now listen to the purpose of his prayer. He didn't say, O Lord, save me and vindicate me. He said, Lord, show people that you're God. Show people that you're God. God, I want you to be glorified. Verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayers to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have mocked the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest timbers, its choicest cypresses. I entered its furthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and I dried up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruin, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before its grove. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put a hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be a sign to you. This year, what grows of itself, and the second year, what springs from the same? Then in the third year, sow and reap the fruit and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will do this. Now, this is some great truth about revival and about spiritual reformation. Spiritual reformation, spiritual revival is brought about by the zeal of God. God touches a group of people and they take root downward and bear fruit upward. There is a, a strengthening of their walk for God, before God, 
and then a bearing of fruit above. Verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, the same way he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now listen to that. The city that he loves, God said, I will defend it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. How many hundreds of years has David been dead on this earth? Now he's alive with God in heaven. And you look at him and you go, God looks at people and says, you know, David's standing here with me. For the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city. I'm doing this for my own namesake, and I'm doing this for the sake of my servant David. David's here with me in heaven. You know, you just wonder how many things God does for us today because of one of our relatives in heaven and what they have done in the past before God. And that night the angel of the Lord went up and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Wow. And when the people rose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. And Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home. Now, you know what? Failure makes you go home. I mean, you get up one morning and find 185,000 men dead in the camp, and there was no battle. Yeah, uh, Sennacherib went home. Failure makes you go home. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishroch, his god, Adramelech and Shazer, his sons, struck him down with a sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. And Ashardadan, his son, reigned in his place. Now, I want you to notice, failure of this size scale, 185,000 men dead in one night, brought his retreat, brought his assassination and removal from the throne. That man should have never lifted his voice against God. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, people forget that God is not a doctrine. God is living and God is real. And when God is mocked, God hears it. All right, we're done a few minutes early today. That's good because I can run over to South Campus. We're about to start our drive-in service. Now, if you'd like to be part of a drive-in service tomorrow, 7.30 is fully booked, but we still have some available slots. I think we have about 40 or 50 available slots still at the 9.30 service. If you'd like to come, please contact your district pastor or your campus pastor. We would love to have you there. Remember, you cannot get out of your car. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tonight as we have Wow God.